Welcome to our podcast channel, brought to you by the British Chamber of Commerce in Singapore. Subscribe to our channel as we provide you with curated content and in-depth conversations by industry experts and leaders across Singapore, ASEAN and the United Kingdom. In the next episode of Meet the Committee, we sit down with Laura Key, Head of Business Development for Dwayne, Morris and Selvam, and Chair of our Startup, Entrepreneur and Small Business Committee. Lara shares with us about what the committee aims to focus on, how they are helping small businesses and startups, and how entrepreneurs can take advantage of the current COVID-19 business climate. We hope you enjoy the podcast. My name is David Kelly. I'm the Executive Director of the British Chamber of Commerce in Singapore. And in this series, we're meeting our amazing committee chairs to get a bit of an insight in terms of what they do and also who they are. Today, I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Lara Key, the Head of Business Development Asia Pacific for Dwayne Morris and Selvam LLP and Chair of our Startup, Entrepreneur and Small Business Business Committee. Lara, it's brilliant to have you with us. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks very much, David. I'm really excited about the conversation today. Can we find out a little bit about you? You've lived in a number of places in Asia. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience, where you've been and what brought you to Singapore and why you like Singapore? Yes, of course. I'm actually one of the original global nomads, I think, in terms of having been born and brought up in various different places and and lived in various countries. So I was born in the UK, but when I was six, we moved to Spain. I then studied modern languages. So I lived in Germany as part of my degree. I qualified as a lawyer and then I moved to Belgium, where I was at the European Commission for a little bit. And then when the recession hit, the last one, um, we, we looked to Asia and my husband was uh, offered a position in Hong Kong. So that was in 2011 and we were there for three years and we moved to Singapore in 2014. And so, yeah, we've been here six years now. And um, one of the main reasons that we were really keen to come to Singapore was that my husband, Jonathan, was actually born here. And also because we're both Eurasian. So my mother's Japanese and uh, my husband's father was from Hong Kong. So we've always felt, you know, obviously an, an affinity to, to Asia. And we're really keen to, you know, bring our children out here and experience a, a very good life. And as you know, Singapore offers so much. It's a fantastic melting pot. The education here is brilliant. Well, my husband actually attended Tangdin Trust School, the original. And so uh, our three daughters now go there as well, which is really nice. And it's just a brilliant business community. You know, there's so much energy. The government is fantastic in supporting every type of business. And as you know, the COVID situation is a prime example of how well they've coped and demonstrated amazing leadership at this time. The SCSB committee is a it's a really brilliant and I, I, I think a really important community within the within the chamber network. During this time, you've been working remotely, holding a lot of your committee meetings, and I think you hold them more frequently than perhaps other committees. Certainly during COVID, in a digital space, you've been keeping the sort of the small business community together, which is amazing. Can you talk a little bit about what the committee set up to do and what it does and who it helps? Yes, absolutely. So we use the acronym SESB because it's uh, such a long, unwieldy title. 
But what it does is it covers every type of small business. So from the solopreneur, so you know, the individual who's got a fantastic idea and, and setting out on their own, to the small business, which is, you know, maybe up to say 20 people roughly. And then also, you know, startups, which may have, you know, three or four people. So that small business. But I, I always have a little chuckle to myself when I think of the Singapore government's definition of SME and, you know, they proudly say, oh, yes, you know, small businesses, um, anything with a, a, a annual sales turnover of up to $100 million. You know, I mean, we, we all aspire to, to make $100 million. Um, so that's very nice that we're in that category. But it's also defined as under 200 employees, which again, you know, we consider to be actually a rather a large company. But our committee consists of 25 members and they are from a very, very broad range of different industries. I've written a list so that I don't forget anybody because I don't want to offend anyone. So IT, digital media, retail, legal, food and beverage, training and development, HR, recruitment, international trade, foreign exchange, real estate, corporate services, energy and health and wellness. It's so broad. We've got, you know, fantastic members. What we particularly pride ourselves on is the personal relationship. So all of us together, our main meeting is on a monthly basis. But actually, as you mentioned, during this period of anxiety and uncertainty, we've also done a Friday catch-up. And that was originally on a weekly basis, really to check in with people, especially those who are working alone, because we felt like they might feel particularly isolated. And the whole idea of our committee is to offer a supportive environment. And so we felt that for us, um, checking in with everybody like that on a very informal basis, that one had no agenda. We just, you know, 1 p.m. on a Friday, here's the Microsoft Teams room. Join us if you're free, you know, come in and tell us just what's going on. And actually in those meetings, that was where everyone was really able to share the true, you know, anxieties and the true challenges of what's going on right now. And people were able to help each other out. And then at our monthly meetings, we do have, you know, a good set agenda. But the main highlight for me is always when we go round the table and we give our personal update. So we each share, you know, where is our business at this point in time? What are we looking to achieve now? What challenge can the group help us with? I particularly need, you know, a referral to somebody in X, you know, who, which supplier have you used? Or I really want to meet Y. Does anybody know this person? You know, we all get out our phones. We all check out our LinkedIn. Oh, yes. You know, I, I might have a connection with this person. It's really that community and that sense of, um, where you're from a very small entity, it's nice to have a wider group of colleagues. So we act as like a sounding board and we try to, yeah, be those extra colleagues that you don't have. You know, lots of people are working in a co-working space or from their, you know, their study at home. Um, but it's really nice to have a group of people who are all rooting for you and who've been there and done that. And, you know, lots of different people have been here different lengths of time. So I think our committee is particularly helpful if you're a, a brand new startup coming to Singapore, you know, and you, you've just moved over. 
lots of people are actually from larger entities in the UK, but they're coming over for the first time, just sending, you know, that that missionary person um, who, who has to start off on their own. They come and join our committee and they can ask anything. You know, we've all we've all got great contacts. We've all got things that we've learned along the way that we can share. So this has probably been the, the best thing. And I, I must say that, you know, being chair of this committee is a real honor and a privilege. I've got a great co-chair, Chris Sassitharan. He is, you know, a fantastic co-chair and we're all very, very keen on events that promote our members and, of course, which help our members. So we've got this startup series and this series really focuses on the toolkit that we need as a small business. So we've covered, you know, corporate tax, employment law issues, things like uh, design thinking, B2B selling. M&A in this time of crisis, you know, and then we've got a, a fantastic collaboration coming up as well with the uh, Marcoms committee. And we'll be focusing on all the things that a, a small business can do with social media. So um, that's going to be really exciting. Oh, that's really good. I just I wish your committee was around when I first made it to Singapore in 2015, because that's exactly the sort of network that sort of I, I, I needed to plug into to share those challenges. You know, we're talking now as we enter sort of phase two of Singapore's circuit breaker. And, you know, I think providing that support mechanism for members is, has been a really, really good initiative. Are you able to share some of the challenges that have been sort of consistent on your Friday catch-ups that smaller businesses have been exposed to or some of the challenges that they've faced for our listeners? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think the main thing is obviously the pipeline drying up. And that is, so if I provide an example, in the training and development area, you know, that's a very much in-person industry to date. And that is something where a lot of large corporates, you know, will bring in a trainer. So one of our members is a a corporate trainer, he, um, you know, will speak to a room of say 50 people. They're all there for a team building weekend and they want to learn about design thinking and all sorts of stuff like that. And obviously he would go along to a hotel and be there in person. And it was all about the interpersonal relationships and that sort of communication. And that was immediately cancelled the moment that the lockdown happened. And a lot of corporates couldn't kind of get their head around moving to the online environment. But um, I'm actually talking about Mark Stewart of Anagram. He was really, really quick to pivot into the online space. You know, he got himself set up with all the right equipment, green screens, you know, very good quality microphones, good quality cameras. And he was able to create these training programs online. And these have, of course, over time now become accepted. And his pipeline is back in place and actually he's doing really, really well. But it's just an example of how something, if you don't adapt very quickly to using technology, you know, your business can fail. We have businesses in retail and of course those shops were closed and that is extremely challenging. We have people who are, well, corporate services. Again, a lot of the larger companies were just caught up in the, the panic. You know, they've got thousands of employees Suddenly, everyone has to work from home. They need to do the basics first. So they were very much looking at, does everybody have a laptop? You know, what about cybersecurity? Uh, where are people living? Oh my goodness, people are in transition. All sorts of things that they had to just deal with first in terms of priorities. And then other things came later. So a lot of deals were frozen. 
a lot of things like, of course, marketing, you know, digital marketing. These are the kind of budgets that immediately get frozen or scrapped. So small businesses suffer straight away in terms of being able to ensure that they have that income. And of course, you know, cash flow. And and in fact, we did a fantastic podcast all about cash flow. It was called Cash is King. And Margaret Manning and James Price gave a fantastic overview of all the things involved in, you know, keeping a business running and what you can do about that. And they even shared a fantastic spreadsheet on on that. Do you recommend that everyone go back to the podcast and and see if you can dig that out and um, you know get hold of that spreadsheet because I think that can be really really helpful to to any business really. Really good. Singapore startup scene is very vibrant, isn't it? I mean, there's there's sort of nearly three and a half thousand startups, nearly four hundred investors. It does feel like a really good place to to set up a business here. And you're a small business owner as well. So how does the committee really sort of support new entrants that are coming into the market here? So as I mentioned, we really try and offer events that are relevant. So a lot about, you know, employment law, for example. We organized an event which actually involved my law firm and Dwayne Morris and Selvam in that we provided an overview of directors' duties and employment law issues. So a lot of companies struggle with employment passes, you know, expats with local hiring ratios. There's just so many issues. So I think that businesses coming in and and looking to start in Singapore look to us in terms of our experience. You know, what can we share as small businesses or as professional service providers? What can we offer in terms of services, advice, camaraderie, all of these things? And you know, the chamber as well, of course, offers such a broad range of other entities as well to connect with. The networking is just brilliant. You can really make use of of so many different things. I mean, we would just talked about other podcasts as well, you know, at, at this point in time where although we're coming out of the lockdown slowly, let's not call it lockdown circuit breaker, um, we're coming out of it, but still it's not going to be business as normal for a very long time. And therefore the chamber has been very quick to make sure that they are still relevant and uh as part of committee, I'm really focused on on value because in the small business community, as I said, there's so many people who are individuals and they're therefore paying you know, an individual membership out of their own hard-earned cash and the cash flow that they've got. And therefore, it's actually a much bigger decision than you know, if you're some huge MNC, it's kind of oh, this annual membership fee, it just, you know, it's just payable and you and they just do it. Whereas in our committee, it's really relevant. You know, everybody makes a decision when it comes to renewal and they go, oh, yeah, let me consider what did I get out of being part of SESB this year? And I want every single person to be able to say, hmm, actually, I wouldn't have got that piece of business if it weren't for X on my committee, or I wouldn't have learned this thing that has been absolutely key to my business if I hadn't attended that event you know, all of those kind of things to make it super relevant and sharing, you know, I think it's so important to share the challenges and to feel like we're all in the same boat, particularly at this time with so much uncertainty. I think we've all been a great comfort to each other. You know, we've all been able to look at the positive sides of things and be able to share the ways in which different people have, uh, you know, made greatest use of technology, etc. You talked about some of your initiatives within the SESB committee to support those smaller businesses through quite a challenging time. And 
the output from your committee has enabled us as an executive team to think about how we can start leveraging some more support for the small businesses that are naturally facing those challenges. So, for example, we're really doing some a lot of thinking internally around not just having a membership directory of members, but actually, can we provide some sort of online forum platform to support your activities as a committee to say, actually, I've got... I don't know, for example, you know, three delivery vehicles. I'm looking for a company which I can sort of talk to to provide some delivery solutions for. So your committee output is making us think about how we can provide a lot more support and value to you. And I think one of the other things that we've started to do is, is have a more direct conversation with UK companies as well and the UK startup scene to say, look, this is what Singapore looks like. This is where smaller businesses fit into the business ecosystem here so successfully. And I think that will drive a really, really strong agenda for the committee and certainly for the chamber going forwards. Yes, definitely. I mean, it's it's absolutely essential for people to be able to communicate because as you say, you know, if you've got a need for something, you want to be able to connect with people within the chamber who might have that. But at the moment, it's a bit difficult. You know, you'll sort of spread the word internally. Obviously, it starts, you know, with our committee, you know, do you, who, who knows someone with this? But you don't always find that. And then, you know, you'll go ahead and you'll you'll hire someone externally. And then later on, you'll say, oh, you know, I ended up doing that. And someone will go, oh, that's a shame because actually, oh, I know X. Well, we could have used, you know. And so, yeah, these things happen. Um, but that would be a fantastic initiative if uh, if that could get off the ground. We would be really, really keen to, to be involved in that. No, great stuff. So, I mean, within your sort of your day job, I guess, at Dwayne Morris and Selvam, have you within that organisation been impacted by COVID? And have you seen sort of more small businesses requiring your help and support? Yes, absolutely. Our firm is a joint law venture between a US firm, Dwayne Morris, which is headquartered in Philadelphia, and our Singapore uh, entity here, Selvam. And so we have 21 offices across the United States. And as you know, they've been really horribly hit by COVID. And, you know, so many different states are in a different uh, scenarios right now. Um, but we have very, very great leadership from our chairman, and he has been absolutely steadfast in his need to ensure that everyone is back on track at the same time. And so what he's done is to organize everything so that we're going to all reopen 21 offices all on the same day on the 6th of July. And that was quite a powerful message because, you know, Every, as I said, every state is in a different state at the moment in terms of where they are with COVID. But to be a firm joined together and in the same boat and all saying, right, until we can all open, we're not opening. And I think that has led to a real feeling of, you know, a close team, all the lawyers really pulling together and all the all the staff working hard to ensure that it all opened on time and, and in a good way with everything secure. And, and here in Singapore, um, again, you know, we've got all the safe measures in place, but most people are still working from home as much as possible. And what we are seeing from clients is, yes, inevitably, they're going to be practice areas which are busier than others. So, for example, will writing as people contemplate their health, things like living wills as well in terms of imagining that they might end up on a ventilator or on life support and, and thinking about what would happen, you know, in that case. Then there's a lot of things like employment law, you know, as companies think of retrenchments and uh, uh, furloughs and all sorts of things like that. Employment law comes to the fore. Real estate, you know, lots of businesses 
especially retail and hospitality, haven't been able to be open. But of course, landlords are demanding rent as usual in, in a lot of ways. And they're looking at possibly downsizing. So with a lot of people working from home and actually enjoying it, I think there's quite a lot of very large offices that are thinking about you know, how they might reconfigure, how they might even relocate as well, you know, because the more people they have working from home, the more opportunity they have to be flexible with their space. So I think that most businesses will like to have a nice office somewhere with meeting rooms and and things like that. But at the same time, the need for every single body to be in the office, I think those days are over. So we'll see quite a lot of change. We have a very busy litigation department Obviously, there are repercussions. There are a lot of breach of contract cases, the lease situation. So a lot of landlord tenant disputes are going to come to the fore. There will be issues with with anything that is basically going wrong. A lot of perhaps insurance disputes as well. Uh, You know, what's covered, what isn't. And then on the general corporate scene, you'll be seeing a lot of business reorganization, restructuring. You know, there is insolvency and bankruptcy as well, most unfortunately. So, you know, it's up and down. As I said, some some areas very busy, some areas rather quiet because of the hold. You know, everybody's on pause. But with Singapore coming out of the circuit breaker, I'm really hopeful that there's going to be quite a lot of opportunities, especially in the M&A sector. Those businesses that didn't plan very well, who have cash flow issues, but are still a very good business model, could be prime targets for larger competitors swooping in. There could be room for more joint ventures, more collaborations. There might be, you know, some technologies are absolutely booming. You know, think of us on, you know, on Zoom here, right? And think how busy they are. Microsoft Teams also doing really, really well. All the social media companies, Facebook, Instagram, people have time. They're spending online, you know, so e-commerce is actually doing really, really well. There are ups and downs, and um, we, as a you know, as a law firm, we are definitely seeing seeing these things. And actually, I should mention that at this particular time, we really noticed a difference in China and the reaction of the world towards China because obviously uh, Wuhan, you know, was the origin of this uh, outbreak. And so, a lot of manufacturers are considering their position because when the whole of China shut down, and of course, all the international borders have been closed as well. A lot of um, businesses are thinking about emergencies and how can they create a more local source. So I think supply chain is a huge issue right now. And we have two offices in Vietnam and Vietnam is a prime target for expansion in the manufacturing industry in terms of their ability to produce very good quality goods in a very fast turnaround. So I think we'll see some movement from China to Vietnam and also towards uh, Myanmar, which is an even cheaper place for for labor. It's still very much an emerging market in terms of early days. But in terms of our business recently, we've seen a huge uptick in the the work that we see coming out of Myanmar. It did start very slowly. You know, we've been there several years now, but we're seeing that that office is, is experiencing particular growth. So we are quite heartened. You know, being in Asia, we have six offices here and we're seeing that Singapore, of course, is absolutely rock solid and a fantastic place to be. But we're also seeing really good growth in in Vietnam and in uh, Myanmar. 
We also have offices in Taiwan and in Shanghai. So Taiwan has actually done quite well in terms of weathering the storm. You know, we haven't heard that much in terms of their COVID cases or, you know, I think they've handled the crisis quite well. So they're they're pretty much business as usual. But we see a lot of opportunity here in Singapore for those businesses that can be innovative. I'm really pleased you mentioned that because one of the things the Chamber's tried to do over the last three months is create a much more engaged connection with our Chamber counterparts across Asia-Pacific. So understanding the value that Singapore plays, you know, not only being sort of the centre of, of ASEAN geographically, but also to that wider spread where lots of small businesses use this as a, as a lily pad to look at other markets to expand to. So it's, it's really good that you provided that, that overview. And you talked about the M&A piece, right, and more joint ventures and, uh, you know, COVID creating opportunities for more collaboration. It feels like now's a good time to take a bit of risk with COVID if there's a bit of uncertainty in a job in a larger organisation, but you come to the table with some great skills. And it feels like the committee is a great place to get plugged into, right, for those that are, are looking at setting up their own business. Definitely. I think the the circuit breaker and certainly the, you know, the lockdown in the UK has meant a lot of people have sort of sat on their sofa and thought to themselves, right, this is my life. Life is actually fragile. Life is short. What am I doing? Those people who enjoy their job will be grateful for the fact that they've got a job, you know, that they can do from home. So I think a lot of people are looking at the type of work that they do. And those people who have perhaps had ideas that they've sat on for a long time will see this as a pivotal moment in history in terms of taking that chance, as you say, you know, that feeling that, right, now is no better time to just get on and do it. You know, your job is probably insecure anyway, so why not do something new? And um, especially if it's got, you know, technology involved or it's something particularly novel that's going to solve a problem that we're seeing right now. There was this fantastic device that kind of goes around a room. It's like a little robot and it goes around spraying UV light, you know, on all the surfaces, uh, thereby disinfecting them. So ideas like that, you know, I think the fact that Dyson is here in Singapore is great in that they will probably come up with all sorts of ideas that relate to, you know, the idea of disinfection. There's room for a lot of creativity and those people who have that entrepreneurial spirit that maybe haven't taken a chance before could hopefully do it now. I think that this is going to be um, a time of enormous change and it can be a small change such as someone who really thought that they couldn't function without their you know, office computer and their office printer or whatever, suddenly forced to work from home and actually finding it quite nice. So they, they're going to want to, to work from home more. There's people who've done very long commutes in the past whose life is going to be greatly changed from having more time, being able to work maybe two days a week in the office, let's say, if they've got meetings. Other changes, a lot of people looking at their personal lives, you know, and thinking about, you know, shall we get married or shall we get divorced or, you know, oh, now's the time to have a family or shall we move abroad? You know, I think how every nation has coped with COVID as well has meant that everyone has got a slightly different attitude towards their nation as well. I have certainly felt really grateful to be here in Singapore, which is a very small country and an island. You know, how unique is that? You can literally close your borders 
and keep your you know your population safe and and I think that when you think of the health risks this is quite an important thing so yeah I think opportunities for for people considering a career change people considering a startup it, the time is right and I would definitely encourage people who who want to start a small business to do so I mean it's uh, an extremely uh, fulfilling thing to be an entrepreneur but it does take a certain mindset it is not for everybody you do have to be someone who is a resilient person you know we talk a lot about mindset and resilience but that's particularly the case with with entrepreneurs. So it's not for everyone. Don't don't leap into it just because it's uh, the trendy thing to do. Uh, you know, please do think about it and then come and join our committee and we can tell you how to do it all. Amazing. Really good. I think you're astonishing because not only are you head of business development for a legal firm and, you're, you know, you chair our SESB committee, you've got your own small business as well in the textiles sector, which is incredible, but you're also becoming a certified executive coach as well. Can you just tell us a little bit about why? Why Why did you start moving into that space? Because you're brilliantly engaging and you've got so much experience, I guess. But why, why the sort of the move into the executive coaching? It all actually happened quite by accident because a friend of mine, she's a coach and she was going in to, to work as an internal coach. And she was telling me, gosh, you know, I've, I've worked for five years uh, in, in coaching, but I've got nothing to, to show, you know, that I'm a qualified coach. I'm looking at certification. And this lady I, I know quite well, she um, had sent an email to me, you know, because I was on her list and, and it had said she was offering this certified course. So I brought my friend along to meet this lady. She's called Jean. And uh, this friend Susan, you know, was learning all about all of this. But I was there just to introduce Susan, and I was hearing all about the course. And I was going, "Gosh, yeah, that all sounds really quite interesting." Yeah, you know, these skills sound very appropriate. I think I could really use those, you know, in my BD role. And the whole concept of coaching is very much part of the HR culture in, you know, in a lot of the larger firms. This whole idea of, you know, a coaching culture that brings out the best in employees. There are fantastic statistics about the number of people who remain within a company because of a coaching culture. If managers use a coaching approach, they are far more engaged, empathetic, and lead to you know, better relationships. And most people do leave a company because of their direct manager. Um, and therefore, if that person is someone very engaging and, um, and really understands how you yourself can develop, then you know, the, the whole organization is likely to be more successful. And so I thought about, you know, my ability to, to coach my lawyers in terms of helping them with growing their practice, raising their profile, et cetera. And I thought this coaching approach would be a really good way of getting to know psychology as well. You know, there's a lot of neuroscience involved in coaching and Really what it does is it taps into the basics of, of being a human. Humans need human interaction with others. And coaching is, is really not advisory. You know, it's not someone telling another person what to do. It's not advisory and consulting. And it's certainly not therapy um, or, you know, psychological counseling. It's not like that at all. It's very much focused on the future. And it's focused on 
the individual as the expert in their own life and career. And so the coach has to listen very, very closely and ask questions that are going to broaden that person's outlook. So by reframing, by helping them see the positives in things, helping them understand that they might have some self-limiting beliefs that they need to overcome. So it can help you with transformation. It's a very, very powerful thing. And so I signed up for it in October last year. But most unfortunately, in in November, I was actually diagnosed with cancer. And um, it really, you know, shook my world. It meant that I was even thinking I didn't have a future at all. But what I found is that I was looking for something that was a distraction. And so although I didn't start the course in November, which I had originally intended to start, I did start it in February. And so, you know, lying in my bed with my iPad, I was able to still join these virtual classes because everything was online. And I met all these virtual teammates, you know, classmates that I um, got to know. And it was just a great thing to be able to feel like even though I was having, you know, some medical leave, I was actually still being productive and learning new things. And I think for someone with a curious mind like myself to keep myself moving forward was was essential. And uh, so it's really, really helped me with that. I'm pleased to say I'm fully recovered. Um, I have actually uh, managed to to beat the beast. And I think also it's, a, it's very important for people to to hear that that can be done because, you know, it was all very um, sudden. I, I literally just disappeared off the face of the earth and everyone wondered where I was. But now I'm back and, you know, uh, taken the reins again of the committee, um, easing myself back into to my workplace as well. And it was almost like the entire world was sympathetic and decided to come on lockdown with me. So <laughs> it was very kind of everyone <laughs> to stay home and uh, not be out partying and enjoying themselves while I couldn't join them. So, yeah, I appreciate that. Oh, great stuff. So how long have you got to go on your uh, executive coaching course? So I actually only have two more sessions. So I have one class tonight, another class next week. I have completed 42 hours of mental coaching. I have done an assignment. I have also done a recorded session of my coaching. I have done 76 hours out of my 100 that I require for my certificate. So I I expect to be qualified well hopefully what where are we june july august yeah by the first of september i hope to be qualified <laughs> wow i got I, I mean you, you mentioned the word resilience you know halfway through our podcast around you know setting up businesses that are light-hearted i think you've demonstrated absolute resilience in terms of all of the roles and what you what you've been through and what you share with our listeners um so thank you so much for your time today it's been really great to to speak to you and we can't wait to see you um, and engage with your next business committee meeting Thanks very much, David. It's, it's been a great experience. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to our podcast. You can share our podcasts and tag us in with the hashtag BritJamSG on Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn. For more information on the British Chamber of Commerce in Singapore, please visit www.britcham.org.sg or should you wish to get involved with our podcasts, please feel free to contact us at info at
britcham.org.sg.